Yeah, I better start setting up my anti-aircraft defenses. <laughs> Executed at point blank range with an anti-aircraft gun. <laughs> That's a war crime, isn't it? In strategy. Well, I mean, it's not a war crime if you win. Uh, exactly. Well, since we're all here until Callum joins us, whenever he's done, whenever he's done throttling that civil engineer. Welcome to the Micro Machines podcast. Yeah, that's our open. That's our I, open. Yeah, that's our open. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've been recording for like twenty <laughs> yeah. minutes now. Yeah, have you really? No, not actually. Okay, I hope not. What's our topic this week about? Um, our topic is on shitty British tanks. Uh, and for once, we all actually have made our own slides. Yes, yeah, it's a team. This- uh, yes, we all know that Britain most definitely has the best armored vehicle design of any country on Earth. Most definitely. Yeah, right. their um, their Department of Defense is definitely not masochistic in any way. Uh, I love grinding we'll the uh, British War Thunder Tech Tree. I love it. Oh, not painful at all. I love grinding seventy hours for a Churchill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, grinding, I don't know what to do. Callum slides are up next. Oh, uh... Oh, he did the Matilda one. Oh, he's here. Ah, we were just talking about you. This has uh, certainly been the most disorganized episode so far. (laughs) We've been trying to record for, like, the past six hours. Uh, Yeah. Just being blue-balled. Hey, there you go. There you are. That's Just... Yeah. There you go. There's just that one phone call that just fucked up everything. Did you uh, eat that civil engineer or not? Uh, well, I'm, the engineers are going to have one hell of a day today because it's it's a. I had to go out there to find a stuff up that they had caused in their own design by not thinking. Yeah, it seems seems like something that would happen. Sounds like a civil engineer. Yeah, yeah, engineering moment. Hey, does my mic sound like as loud as everybody else's now? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is gonna be. I know. This will be my last episode with my shitty mic. Well, no mic. So it's honestly not that bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, your audio is perfectly clear. That's what I'm looking for. Hmm, okay. I, well, my audio, uh, like the last two times, weren't that clear. But maybe it was just because I had the. Uh, Sensitivity turned down a little bit, but uh, I'm, we're, we're all figuring this out. Yes. yes, I'm once again recording this in an RV. <laughs> nice. Just really doing that yeah. whole uh, Breaking Bad New Mexico stereotype, eh? Oh, hell yeah. Anyways. Matilda One, who wrote the slide? Uh, that was me. This is my one. You're in the hot seat. Yes. yes. Has anyone done an anyone done an intro? Uh, we had like a twenty minute gold open. Right. <laughs> oh, sweet. Right. Okay. So, Matilda one, the little tank that couldn't do really anything. But it's so it super is. cute. Oh. Uh, for all the faults uh. that I'm going to list off, I still love this tank a lot. I don't know why. It's just it's it a looks cool. Tank. Yeah, wow. I absolutely 
it's just such a cool looking tank that it's like, yeah, for all its faults, I still love it. So, so Matilda 1, the original design for this thing was basically a replacement for the tankettes that uh, countries were fielding, you know, like the Card and Lloyd and all of those really. They just wanted a mobile machine gun unit that was more useful and more and had a higher survivability than any of the tankettes. So technically the Matilda 1 was the first official infantry tank as we know them. So, you know, everyone knows the uh, focus of an infantry tank to be high firepower, high and a lot of armor, no real maneuverability or anything like that. It was just basically sit there and take a lot of hits and just deal it out as well. So... I have a question. Yep. So, uh, with this being like the first infantry tank, does that make, does that make this uh, like a predecessor to the uh, Tetrarch? Yeah, because I know um, what like inspired the T26s and all that. I think it was the Tetrarch, right? Yeah, I think so. I'm not too sure. I don't know too much about the Tetrarch a lot. We'll have to cover it in the future then. Add it to the list. But okay. um, so basically, uh, so when Matilda was being developed, the British had the had an idea of two infantry tank concepts, not just the one. So one of the concepts was a small two-man uh, machine gun armed tank and built in large numbers, and they'll just go in and just swarm enemy infantry. And then you had the Matilda II with the cannons uh, backing up sort of thing. That was the idea. Oh, so these were developed uh, concurrently? Yeah, Matilda I and Matilda II oh. fought side by side in France. Oh. oh. Yeah. The the idea was Matilda two had the cannon, Matilda one had the machine gun. Oh, it's like you took a uh, Mark IV and I don't know, divided it. They took the Mark IV to Detroit. Yeah. Ooh. Mm. So in theory, this kind of worked. You know, like during First World War, it was shown that the female Mark IVs with the two machine guns on either side was more efficient at dealing with infantry than the. Uh, male Mark IVs. So that's the idea of this. So, where am I? So, we'll start listing off what makes this good, and then we'll go into why it fails, basically, why they never used it again. Right, because so, this isn't an episode on good tanks. No, this is no, basically a disaster no. episode. It's a disaster. I'm only just going to go through the one good thing that it had going for it. And then the rest is just cliff. Perfect. So the so the only good thing about the Matilda, can anyone tell me how much the frontal the front and side armor was? How thick it was? Juicy. Less than an inch. Yeah, it doesn't look very thick. The front and sides, the armor was actually sixty five mil. Wow. Whoa. That's yeah. decent, especially for you're, uh, you're looking at a. Yeah, you're looking at a. Oh, small can you tank see that? Is... is that what that uh, like front panel is? You can see that there, right here. Yeah, yeah. Oh damn! Huh. No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that's the frontal plate, sixty to sixty-five millimeters of armor, and it's so, angled. Angled. It's yep. angled. Yeah. 
all the good stuff. Okay. So they, when they uh, tested the armor on the front, uh, that frontal armor can stop a two-pounder um, armor-piercing round. Wow. So they tested it against a two-pounder, which, of course, the two-pounder performs better than the pack 36, 37 millimeter. So basically, it just sit in front of all the anti-tank guns and just ping them off. That was the only good thing it had. Nice. The downside, the uh, downsides. Do we get into that now? Because we've had the one good thing. So, what's the first downside you can see? A very obvious one. Tracks. Yeah, those tracks are exposed. Exposed. Yeah. One of the problems was when it would go cross country, it could cross trenches and stuff very well. It's just the amount of dirt and debris and shit. They got thrown up onto the engine deck, into the exhaust, into the suspension, all of that. It was just nowhere to stop it. So what they try and rectified was um, what you're looking at now is a late, air quotes, late version of the Mark One, of the Matilda One. Uh, for the late ones, what they did was they put these small little fenders on the back to try and mitigate that. They didn't put fenders all the way through. They just put these teeny little ones to try and help. Just to scrape off the excess, eh? Yeah, pretty much. It, I, I'm not sure how well that would have done. So that was one problem. The other problem being, well, it was a very slow tank. It was powered by a Ford V8, but it only had about 70 horsepower. So uh, cross-country, it could do about 8 miles an hour at most. Uh, I can that's not run great. faster than that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it didn't well, do too well. Mm. So it wasn't. It wasn't the fastest. Also, um, there's another point of. If you go down the slides, you'll see yep. one with the driver's hatch open. This happy-looking fellow right here. Yeah. He looks Ooh, like can anyone. Can you see the next problem with that? Well, yeah. Your tank crews are dressed up like they're from Monty Python. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see that as a downside. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no downside to that. Now, uh, with the driver's hatch open, the commander couldn't actually see forward unless he was turned out as well. Uh, plus, the the turret had to be turned to the side to allow it to actually be open. That's mm. sufficiency. It's brutal. Mm. How how much crew is in this tank? Um, what well, was crew? It was only two. Yeah, like two. Okay. Yes. Yeah, it was two men. So you had a driver, and then in the turret you had a commander, gunner, loader, radioman. You know, that nice early war sort of one person doing one job and then the other person being overworked. That's very efficient. How much room was there, like, you know, from an ergonomic standpoint? Was it reasonable? Because it looks like a fairly large turret for the uh, commander. Or maybe that's just the perspective. Uh, from what I've been reading, it doesn't seem like there was a lot of room in there. Because um, believe it or believe it, um, some of the a lot of these tanks also had radios in them. A lot better than signal flags. Yeah, but the way sure. that the um, the way that the commander could get to it was the radios were positioned on the floor and behind him. So the only way he could get to them would be to stand up and then twist and crouch down to get to the radio to set the set the radios. I love doing. I love playing a twister just to use my number nineteen. 
while being yeah. shot at. Yeah, exactly. Well, well at least, at. you know, you won't get penetrated. You know, being shot at, nothing's going to go through, so, you know. There is that. Now, the final downside, and that's the fact that it was only armed with a machine gun. So you had two ver- you had two versions. You had the three oh three and you had the .50 Vickers. Which, for against infantry, all good. The minute they hide behind something... Not so good. Um, the fifth, the .50 Vickers did have a AP rounds, but the most that that could penetrate was about twenty millimeters of armor at a hundred mil, hundred meters. That was that was the best it could do. And it had a much lower fire rate, did it not? Much lower fire rate and a lot less ammunition because of the bigger rounds. So what was the idea of that? Was that were they making uh, almost like a version of this that could deal with light vehicles, or was this meant was that meant more to go through buildings, or was there even like a um, doctrine? I think it was just more just to give them a bit more punch. Okay, um, that was about it. It was purely just suppressive fire type thing. Right. I mean, it'd be pretty yeah, good of... at. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, it kind of seems like the. Uh... M8 HMC equivalent. I think it'd mm. be pretty pretty good at close range. It'd be like the uh, that end scene from the second to last movie raising the Jeep with the 50 cal. I think yeah. that was the idea of it. Hmm. So, but so basically the Matilda 1 could go anywhere it wanted, survive any amount of damage, any amount of firepower, anything like that. It was described as basically it could get to where it wanted to go, and that's all it could do. It couldn't really be effective anywhere else. Um, so a lot of so these were... Uh, Matilda 1s were used in the Battle of Ares in France at the beginning of the war. However, most, most if not all of the Matilda 1s they had were left behind. At Dunkirk, huh. so they let the uh, the Germans capture them, and the Germans, has been reported, they did actually use Matilda ones. Um, they gave them to security forces in occupied countries, basically the police force to use. Well, I bet they would be better for at that since you know they're not really driving over cross country. They just have to park at the end of a street, and then you know machine guns about as powerful as you'd want, anyways. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's quite funny, you look at Matilda 1 and Matilda 2, uh, if you scroll along to the Matilda 2. There we are. Yep. Ooh. This one is also, for some reason, both Matilda tanks. Love them both. Oh. So, oh. Matilda 1 and Matilda 2 fought side by side, and it's just quite ironic. One of them was just known as this useless machine gun tank that didn't really go anywhere. You got Matilda too. That's got legendary status. Now yeah. both both the same concept. It's just yeah. Both of the draw. Well, for one thing, I think the, Matilda two would manage with the mud a lot better thanks to those uh, side skirts. Yeah, yeah, it did. And I think just the fact of the having at least a two pounder um, just proves a lot more effective against. Um, in warfare than just having a machine gun. 
honestly, for how small the Matilda one is, it's it's pretty tall. It's like eight feet tall. That's what uh one point three. Yeah, one point three. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. About about that. Yeah. Yep. Not bad. But yeah, so so it's no it's known as a bad bad tank, but it's still one that I just absolutely love. It's just such a cool looking tank. Although I've got a severe bias to twenties uh, and thirties tanks. I love the pre the interwar stuff. I think they just look so cool. Well, they definitely have that. I'm gonna have to agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Like we need more models of interwar stuff. I was doing some research. There are actually two models of Matilda One. Yeah, really. Yes, there is the Commander Series models resin kit in one thirty fifth scale and accurate armor. I'm pretty sure it does a one thirty fifth as well. Wait, uh, I was just on uh, missing links. There's a new company uh, company that make makes one thirty fifth scale. It's called uh, what's that Spanish three D company? Something. Oh. Oh, bugger, I'm going to have to look it up. But there's this uh, company from Spain. Oh, FC Model uh-huh. Trend. FC Model Trend is oh, the company. Oh, sure. And they just came out with their uh, resin 3D printed uh, kit for it, 35th scale. I think it's got like four pieces. Looks oh. really good. Mm, nice, so it's kind of like... Uh, yeah. It feels like... Uh, the Matilda one seems like something a hobby boss would just throw out one day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Note to our like twenty listeners: send us the FC model trend. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just send us kits, please. Yeah. Send us every kit you can manage. Yeah. So, ba- but so basically, for the Matilda one, the whole the whole reason that didn't work was just it just can't do anything. Like it could get there, but that was it. It was uh, pretty limited in what it could be used for. Emotional support, basically. One of those, yeah. it's nice to have around, but you prefer something else. That's a backup plan. Cool. So that is my, thank you for listening to my TED Talk. That is the Matilda one. Thank you, Callum. That tank absolutely sucks. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that is... Uh... Could be a lot better. I jumped ahead of somebody here. I put my slides in the middle. Oh, that's fine. I guess you're up next then. Yeah. So, this is the Covenanter. Uh, Too hot for Africa. Too hot for women, actually. So, this is it. This is actually... um, Oh yeah, I'll get into the mail it later. But it uh, has a two pounder. Uh, that's all it could really carry. Uh, it's the original, like kind of first edition of what would eventually lead up to the Crusader. Uh, it's got a pretty large engine, uh, twelve cylinder, and the reason that's important is because. Uh, if you go to the next slide, you can see that, well, having a large engine, what they had to do was push the radiator to the front. And this is a big problem. Uh, 
So pushing the radiator all the way up to the front made like horrible uh, cooling problems and it would break down all the time. And that's pretty much the main thing that's wrong with it. Uh, any thoughts I would have so thought far? The, I would have thought the other problem would be if it got hit once by something, by anything, your radiator's down. <laughs> Wait, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So apparently, uh, it, it makes a grade tier 4 in World of Tanks. It actually does. does. It? I, I yep. quite enjoyed it. Yeah, until yeah. they hit your radiator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will say. No, World, of Tanks, World of Tanks isn't into such things as realism. <laughs> <laughs> no. War Thunder Supremacy. Yes. Exactly. I will say. Is the Covenant in War Thunder? No, it is not. Um, the closest thing would be the Crusader 2, which is not close at all, but it's got rivets. Yeah. Got rivets, so it counts. Uh, Callum, you've got your work okay, cut out for you on this episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, the thing that made this uh, such a failure is because of having that radiator at the front. Well, it did uh, overheat a lot. That wasn't the main problem. Uh, the main problem was the pipes uh, ran up the sides of the fighting compartment and would scorch the crew every time Ooh. they would move uh -oh. position. Yeah, it harmed the crew. That was the goal of this episode, and I think I accomplished it. Kill the crew. Uh, yeah, it had a bad like habit of burning dude's hands when they tried to get out of the tank or sit in the tank. Um and in total twelve hundred were built and none of them were deployed. They were all used for training purposes because uh well because of those heating like overheating problems. Uh, they couldn't deploy it to Africa. Uh, it would get too hot in the turret for them to be able to, to send it to Africa, basically. The crew would overheat. Oh. Like, it would... Yeah. It was just a big Wait. mess. So what you're saying is, this is the perfect candidate to send to Russia in the middle of winter, because then you're guaranteed to stay warm. I was just thinking... Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. This seems like the uh, perfect tank for the winter war to be honest well you got central heating built in it sounds yeah. pretty good drivers all nice and toasty i'd rather yeah. be in this than a p34 in the middle of winter you know i bet they could in yeah, well, integrate the uh boiling vessel into that radiator system <laughs> right. let's put a, yeah let's put a tap midway in the pipe yeah <laughs> it would be in russia winter war you're fighting finland uh it would be either this or t26 oh, i'd much yeah. rather yeah i mean it, it, if i may oh. it looks like a fairly solid tank radiator issues aside like it's got the two pounder it looks like it's it looks fast i don't know if it was or not but it looks like a proper cruiser tank save for the fact that you're boiling your crew alive right yeah that is that is the uh only Real issue, even though it's a really big one. But, so, like, it's got a suspension. Like, it's a good... It's a pretty solid tank. 
like they put a lot of uh effort into it i would say and it eventually led to the crusader but um i think there was one other problem it had and that was to do with the road wheels i think i remember watching i think it was a david fletcher one or something the road wheels they used they wanted to save on steel for other things so they used i think it was like aluminium an aluminium alloy or something for the road wheels that's not good oh great it's made of pop cans <laughs> yeah well i mean uh I'm if they myself. yeah i didn't notice that so you could be right because i did uh i mostly dived into the radiator aspect of this i didn't see much about the road wheels but that would also make sense because, I mean, somewhere throughout building 1,200 of them, somebody must have thought, yeah, we're only going to be using these for training. So it would make sense for them to cheap out a little bit. Didn't David Fletcher put this at, like, his uh, bottom five tanks? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they made 1,200 bottom. of these, and they were only used for training. So you're telling All me of them. that Britain successfully created a tank that was essentially the same as the ram but they made it worse nothing, yeah, in a time when they de- i mean sorry yeah well in a time when they desperately needed tanks they made 1200 of these and they didn't deploy any of them because it was that bad big brain just make 1200 rams there you go <laughs> that's the solution Ah, here it is. It was the other way around. The use of uh, steel wheels instead of aluminium, which increased the weight. Oh, also probably uh, caused it was the other way around. Racket. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so the use of like, uh, steel wheels instead of aluminium increased the weight da, 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 to basically it was at maximum load the whole time oh, for suspension. Yeah, it it's bad, and that's like despite having the biggest engine they could possibly put in it, like also moving the radiator up so they can put in that V twelve that, that they needed to put in it. So the whole tank is or is like designed around speed, but as exactly what it doesn't have, more or less. All right. Yeah. Oh, that's I great. I think the yeah. Uh, yeah, the British and well, again. they've done it again. And that uh, picture on the left there, I'm not sure why, but it seems to have a Matilda mantlet on it. I, I really don't know why, but that's there. I just picked that picture because uh, you can see the radiator covers a lot better, and that light at the front is pretty cool. The light it does go hard. It it, it does give it, it like does. Grand yeah. Turismo a train vibe. aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah, you've... Yeah. You know, the only thing this thing needs now is, like, a giant spoiler on the back. <laughs> Low- yeah, cool. you lower it, do camber on the track. Oh, yeah, camber. I wonder, has anyone ever actually thought of cambering the tracks? If they were going to do it, it would have been on this tank, 110%. Oh, 100 Yeah. 1,200 built, all used for training, I'm sure some soldier got shitface and decided to make a few modifications. Somebody at the tank museum has looked at these wheels and considered swapping them out with BBSs. I know it. 
<laughs> Somebody's looked at this tank and considered swapping it out with a 2JZ. Oh, dude, a 2JZ version of this, there would be no competition. Who cares about overheating? They would... Straight pipe it. Yeah, straight pipe it. Oh, sorry, car talk on a tank podcast. Okay. Oh, go okay. start your own car. I'm confused, yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Oh, sorry. Do you want me to go back? No, I was just. Uh, we're gonna have to cut this out. You go. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Well, this is mine. Um, I'm taking us from World War II all the way to 2022. This is the Ajax Infantry Fighting Vehicle, or as I like to know it, uh, give the crew hearing loss. Okay, so what exactly I guess we should talk about is the Ajax IFE. So this vehicle here, this absolute chonky lad, is actually derived in some ways from this, the CVRT. So I think we've all heard of the CVRT, right? Like the uh, Scorpion, the Scimitar. There's one more. Yeah. I forget the last one. I have one. a model of one. Yeah, I have a model of a Scorpion on my desk. Maker is jumping up and down right now. Yeah, exactly. This yeah. thing, he's cute. I like it. I think it's very, very petite, very sweet. I like it. it. It's cool. And it's got a 76. Cool. Okay. So the CVRTs were originally designed basically to be used like scout tanks, right? They would do reconnaissance. They they wouldn't really do so much fighting as they would just do like command control and all that sort of thing, right? And they were meant to be fast. They were meant to be, you know, lightweight so they could be air transported and they could go like anywhere, right? And they were designed to be maneuverable. Um, and even had a bit of a punch. I mean, you think about it, this uh, 76mm turret was the same thing used by Canadian Cougar EVGPs in the Balkans. And, I mean, it's not much, but I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of a 76mm hash, right? Right. Yeah, it's better than a uh, 20 mil. Yeah, exactly. So, these AV... Yes, I was about to call them AVGPs. I'm sorry, I've got my mind stuck <laughs> on Canadian stuff. These CVRTs have acquitted themselves very well, right? They've served uh, as you know early as, I think, the 70s, all the way into like Afghanistan during Operation Herrick, right? They are just great. They've worked. They've worked really well. They are an example of something we are not talking about today, which is a good British tank. So, in the 1990s, the British Ministry of Defense basically began a program to replace the CVRT, right? They wanted to basically get like a... It doesn't have to necessarily be a tank, a proper you know, fighting tank, but it has to be some sort of tracked armored vehicle with a turret that can be used for you know high-speed reconnaissance and stuff like that, right? right? So fast forward to you know the 2010s, and they go through a competition basically with the industry to figure out, okay, well, like which manufacturer's design are we going to more or less integrate into the British Army to replace this tiny thing, right? They chose this. They chose this absolute behemoth. So this is the Ajax Infantry Fighting Vehicle. It's developed by General Dynamics of the UK. Um, basically what this is, is imagine a warrior, a warrior IFE, take away the troop carrying capacity, take away like everything that makes the warrior good, strap a huge turret on it with a remote weapon station, because if we hadn't already made this thing tall enough, there you go. I do like that remote weapon system, though. Well, well uh, I'm, look... I'm getting. I, I, I'm going to digress here, but this thing goes hard. Like, no offense, but oh, this yeah, looks sure. good. Damn. 
does. It, look, it looks good. Important question, though. Yeah. Um, with that, with that uh, automated turret system on it, how many Columbi is that? Oh. Oh. I don't know for sure, but I think it is at least two Columbi, maybe even two and a half. I, I'd, I'll have to get back to you on that. I can even post it in the uh, description of the video, but it's definitely at least two Columbi. Which Jesus. Yeah, thing, about two Columbi. It's nine feet, ten inches. There you go. Two, over well, two Columbi. This thing was like maybe one and a half Columbi. Maybe a little bit more, but yeah. nowhere near as tall as this. And, and look, you know, That thing was small. They're using the old crow system, not the new low-profile one. They're using the, the uh, one-story tall version of it. But anyways, so the thing is, this beautiful, but also at the same time disgusting vehicle is meant to replace the CVRT. I'm going to give you guys one guess as to whether it has actually done that or not. I'm going to say no. You'd be correct. Yeah, I'll say no. Guess I'm going with no. So, without like any prior prejudices, can you guys see anything wrong with this vehicle? Like looking at this image, can you see anything outwardly wrong? Apart from the height, not really. Okay. It looks pretty cleanly, right? Right. Well, so that could just be the netting covering everything. No, I mean the actual thing yeah. looks pretty drippy. Now, the thing is, with this vehicle on the surface of it, everything is fine. It looks good. Yeah, it's way too big to replace the CVRT, and you know, it, it's not really. It, it lacks the height factor, but on the whole of it, it's armed with a forty millimeter. It's got a remote weapon station with thermal optics. It's, you know, f relatively fast, relatively agile. So what's the problem? This thing vibrates. This thing oh. vibrates like an Iwata Ninja compressor. It does not stop vibrating. The moment you turn the engine on and begin driving it, it starts shaking. Like, so much that it's giving people something called hand-arm vibration syndrome. That can't be oh, is that like after? Is that like after you use the grinder for like two hours and your hand just can't stop shaking after? It's basically like that, but times ten. This oh, thing vibrates so much that that beautiful forty millimeter turret we were talking about, which is sta fully stabilized, it doesn't even work. The stabilizer, as powerful as it is, can't overcome the vibration. <laughs> they turned this thing into a BMP one. <laughs> So, a tall BMP one. A very tall one. Kind of Look at this thing. Look at this. this right here is probably like a half Columbi right here. Half Columbus, I should say. So, now we have not really talked about general dynamics as a manufacturer, but I think we've all kind of, be, we're familiar with their work, right? In Canada, General Dynamics uh, makes things like the LAV-3, the LAV-6. Um, in America, they make the Stryker. Uh, Ezra, correct me if I'm wrong, I think they work on some American tanks, right? I think so. Yeah, okay. So they're a pretty decent company. They made the beauty that is the Lav 3, so they clearly know what they're doing, right? Columbus, uh, uh, sorry, Callum, I think you're going to uh, appreciate what I'm about to say right here. The engineers at General Dynamics Britain are absolute dolts. They are nimrods. They are poo-poo heads. They are stupid. The hulls that they designed were not designed with the proper, you know, like engineering tolerances and the machine tolerances. So now all of these hulls are of like wildly inconsistent lengths and dimensions. The sides are not parallel. 
which comes down not just what? to manufacturing, but also the engineering. They didn't like engineer these things well enough that they would be manufactured with you know proper linear dimensions. Although that's this thing, have to elaborate on that a little bit. This thing, despite like a, almost you know probably just being developed for in excess of ten years, this thing has not been like no single one of these has actually been manufactured properly such that it does not vibrate. You know they all vibrate a lot, right? Now some of them it's not as bad. Some of them are basically unusable. So the other problem here, as you can see with this caption, is because these are not manufactured, like they're manufactured so terribly, and because each tank is like a tiger tank where every single one is manifestly different from the next one on the production line, they haven't yet been able to determine if the vibration is a result from like the engineering side or from the manufacturing side. If you as the engineer can't like cover your ass enough with the design that they don't they suspect you were at fault you've done a terrible job good job i just they, how could the sides not be parallel they just aren't. how does that happen general dynamics forgot to use the ruler <laughs> I, I, yeah I, do, we, do we know how far really? off they are from each other i don't know like the official figure that because the UK actually in 2021 the Ministry of Defense actually wrapped up kind of like a study examining okay well where is the Ajax in development like can we get into the into service right I believe that it wasn't by much but you have to understand that when we're talking about something that's this big with this much power behind it you know this heavy if you deviate from the design tolerances even a tiny bit you're going to have issues like vibration. You're going to have fundamental structural flaws. Like, uh, it oh, doesn't sure. take much. Able now. Yeah. Uh, well, the sides are different. You can't tell how much because they're all different. Exactly. There's I, I, One thing I did get from that report was that General Dynamics has yet to actually produce a version, uh, like a model of this IFE that is perfect, right? That they can use as kind of like a, a litmus test against all the other ones to see just how far out of whack they are. Like, there is not a single Ajax IFE which is actually properly functional, right? Wow. Oh. How much have they made? Oh, they've made a fair number of them. I think they've made in excess of 30 now. Oh. Yeah. Oh, no. You'd, oh, you'd no. have thought like, you'd, you'd have thought like, oh, everything's off by so much. You'd go back to the uh, engineering and stuff. It's like, can you just make everything same size? You know, one one half same size as the other half. You know, I would have thought that'd be like problem one. You you would think that yeah. with like all the computer technology, like okay, in a World War Two tank, maybe maybe someone smudged the blueprints. But these guys, <laughs> these guys in General Dynamics, they've got Blender, they've got AutoCAD, they've got SketchUp. They they can make they've this got things work. we haven't even heard of. It's it's the government technology. Exactly. Um, oh, 107 vehicles have been made. No way. Yep. That can't be true. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah. essentially, uh, the British Army right now has 107 uh, vibrators. Because <laughs> that's what they are. Expensive yeah. vibrators. Very yeah, how expensive. How much are they like, per, per unit? Well... I'm not exactly sure like how much they are per unit because I think they costed very kind of like with the F-35, the more you build, the cheaper they are. However, 
as of June of 2021, the British uh, government had paid General Dynamics 3.2 billion pounds sterling. I want you to not, a I want, lot of wasted money. I want that to sink in. That doesn't cover the original cost of like the program that preceded this. So there was basically a, a program to replace the CVRT. That itself costs billions of pounds. This is just after like the 2010s when the Ajax actually got selected. So for this one vehicle, just for the development of this specific design, 3.2 billion. Wow. I'd also like to point out. There are now people in the British Ministry of Defense that don't actually think this is even going to ever enter service. Because, even if they were able to figure them out, there's been so many people who've gotten concussions and, like, you know, that whole problem with the vibrating arms that they just won't use them. This is an actual thing that in the British government's report, they question if people would even be willing to operate these. Wait, so are you you saying I've a country's government is actually listening to its forces about the equipment they use? Uh, perhaps. I'd say that the, the you know, right right now the Ajax is kind of in this weird spot where actually like if you go to any basically any person in Britain who follows like domestic politics, like they read the paper, right? And they could probably tell you what the Ajax is and what's wrong with it, even if they don't know anything about armored vehicles. Because it's become such a big domestic issue in Britain. Like, we've basically taken... The Ajax is supposed to even replace a lot of warriors. So in many ways, it's supposed to become the next IFE for Britain, right? But they're vibrators. That's that's all they are. <laughs> so... Vibrator. Basically, yeah. Um, The thing is that... A lot of people are now saying it might just be, you know, a political hot potato that the current government just doesn't even want to deal with. They'll just kick it down the line, keep it in development hell, just shovel more cash into it, and never actually get, you know, a viable, viable solution to this. At this point, it's just sunk cost fallacy now, isn't it? It is literally the. If we were going to talk today about sunk cost fallacy, you could probably just use this as the definition. Now, I also want to yeah, make... Yeah, put that on the uh, cover page. Yeah. One thing I would like to also point out, back after the British basically finished the first program where they were like studying how they were going to replace the CVRT, right? And they conclude they want to use an IFE platform. Then they put it to basically like manufacturers with competing designs, right? So the Ajax is the submission from General Dynamics, and the CV90 is, correct me if I'm wrong, the submission from BAE, right? Now, BAE made the Warrior. General Dynamics did not. The CV90 is this beautiful piece of technology which has been well proven around the world and is in service with many NATO countries in Europe. This is it's just a hefty Warrior. They literally rejected this out of hand in favor of this. British pride? British pride. This is the most Brexit thing I have ever seen. I'm reading in uh, in 2021, 11 troops had been placed under long-term care um, because of this vehicle. Oh, God. But remember, their injuries are not service-related, and therefore they are not eligible for payout. (laughs) (sighs) I mean, Good job, British government. We're proud of you. I mean, think about it. how does this 
look like you wouldn't look at this and think, yeah, if I get inside this, I wouldn't be vibrated right into long-term gear. But yeah, no, it looks pretty. It looks good. Like, yeah, on, it looks good. On paper, this is at least the equivalent of the CV90. Like on paper, I mean, if we were to go with like the War Thunder analysis, this is perfectly fine. But then, like, one side is a degree out of alignment with the other, and then you turn your crew into a marinara sauce. And then you can't even aim properly because it, the vibrating is screwing the stabilizer up and it can't even adjust. The stabilizer is too hot and bothered. It can't can't focus. <laughs> yeah. Although, um, I will say this, General Dynamics made a really cool model for this. I mean, for sure. Pretty sick. What scale is this? I don't think it's 35th. I think it's like 1 to 18 scale. Yeah. Yeah, it looks big. Kudos to whoever built this. Maybe 6. Could do some more weathering, though. Maybe some tripping effects. But we all know modern vehicles don't ship. They, they remain in pristine yeah. condition throughout their entire service life. Oh, yes, of course. Exactly. Oh, yeah, no rust or anything. Yeah, so that is the, uh, I don't know. the uh, earplug special. <laughs> oh, um, all right. I wrote this slide on the Valiant A38. It's the only tank to remove as many limbs as the Civil War Doctor. And I mean the American oh God. War. Uh, so, it's... When it was made, it was originally supposed to be an improvement of the Valentine. But David Fletcher says he can't see any Valentine in it, and, you know, what he says goes. So, um, where's my notes? Wait, uh, hold up. Does this thing have Ostketten? Well, I was thinking. Sadly, no. That would be nice. I swear to God, this looks like Ostketten. Yeah. Okay, it was designed in 1943. Fair enough. Um. I don't those nice traps. Uh. So it has a 75 millimeter gun, which wasn't bad. Pretty decent. Uh, yep. It had a General Motors six six cylinder diesel engine. Again, okay. Uh, I thought we were recording on Sunday, so I I got totally messed up. I had all my notes ready. No, it's but okay. I lost them. Dude, I I we've just been weighing this for the most part. Yeah. 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 What's new? <laughs> Alright, so if we move on to the next slide, I have a list of all of the problems. So we have, if the driver had his head out of the hatch, the gun would... Have, it had a good chance of coming down and giving him a good bonk. Wait, really? Mm. Yeah. So it would just slip loose of the uh, elevation gears and just bonk? That's that's what David Fletcher said. Oh my right? god. Yeah. Um, the classic, if your foot sl slipped off, I think it was the brake, the only way they could get your foot out was to cut it off. Um, okay. The rear of the tank had nine inches of gl ground clearance. It just dragged its ass everywhere. 
So it's squatting. It's two that. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> it's the it's the uh, it's a lifted truck. Yeah, yeah. It was extremely slow. And when the uh, when the driver he was trying to he was going out of fifth gear, I think, and it almost broke his wrist because it snapped back with such force. Damn. Yeah, that's not good. Oh, it doesn't sound good. No. Yeah, when he okay, yeah, when he tried moving it into fifth gear, it struck the right hand lever and pretty much broke his wrist. Oh god. Yes. And the only good thing I can say about it is that it had four point five inches of armor. That's not bad. Okay. That's that's no, a lot. It was it was a lot. Huh. Also, so ba basically, it could sit cool. there and take hits while the driver is trying to strap his wrist together <laughs> or cut his foot off so he can bail out, only to get hit by the barrel. Precisely. <laughs> see, and the suspension was horrible. See, this is actually a uh, German plot. It was a conspiracy, right, by Nazi spies. They wanted to make a tank that would kill all the good drivers in the British Army. So that. Uh, <laughs> yes. No, no, no. This is the most emo tank in the British Army. <laughs> Cutting wrists left and right. <laughs> but, oh, I should have, um... Oh, I should have put in a picture of the suspension on this thing. This thing listens but to it had my like, chemical romance. It was really <laughs> complex. Yeah, this is not, like... Are those... This is this is definitely not Valentine's suspension. As as do you know if like any other British tank had this system? Nope. And this was the only one. Dollar store David Fletcher, with Oscutton. He David Fletcher made a point to say that it's not the Valentine suspension. Huh. Even though it kind of looks like it. Well, see, being a British tank, you can't have stiff suspension that throws you around the place. Because all that's going to do is make you spill your cup of tea. I mean, you know, you got to have that soft suspension. And that gives you oh, burns, yeah. which then you're full circle back to the other tank. The, uh... Covenanter. Yes. So, are those, like, five giant rivets holding it, holding the turret together? <laughs> it looks like, it. yeah, that's probably all that's holding the mantle on, because I can't imagine them welding it. It's a British tank. Come on. Yeah. Uh, like, it looks really cool, but... Huh. I have looked... I have looked this up. I cannot find a single model of a Valiant. You know... Do you know why they kept that one Valiant around? Do you know what they used it for? Yes! Oh, didn't they give it... Did, didn't they uh, have the crew, like, crawl over it and then try to find everything wrong with it? They They kept it for students... And basically, right. they'd, they'd just put it there and just say, right, students, go have a look and bring me a list of what's wrong with it. And it was basically mm -hmm. used as a how not to design a tank. Nice. When, when it's that bad, when, the, when students can look at it and go, yeah, that's fucked, that's fucked, that's fucked. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, though, it looks, it almost looks cool. But it looks terrible, the same. I mean, hey, if they made the uh, driver's seat bigger, pretty... I bet it'd be all right. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. 
the driver's compartment. It's like a, it's like a blue wheel. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's got that IS three thing going on. The Pike nose. Oh yeah. We need to see how tall it is, though. It, uh, two point one meters tall, seven feet. So that's uh. That's about uh two point one point. One point one. One point two. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Point two Columbi. Yes, wow. there we go. Cool. Oh, I think that's yeah, all I had to say on this. Well, we've got a new segment on this show called A Hill to Die On. And in each uh, episode, what we're going to do is one member of the podcast is going to come out with the most awful take they possibly have and uh, defend it for us. And for your enjoyment this week, yeah, we are uh, drawing and quartering Ezra for his uh, South Korean affiliations. This is true. Okay, let's go. I'm ready. This is true. So, Academy good? Yes. Academy, okay, they've made some bad kits. But in my some. opinion, they're a cheaper and a better version of Cameo. Jack, Why I say that? Uh, kill this guy. Mm-hmm. Why I say mm-hmm. that is the detail is normally pretty good. They include photo etch. You know, it fits well. They're an enjoyment to build. I mean, like that Merkava 4 LIC, I, I built it up in like six hours. And that includes all the photo etch and link length tracks. You were having and, your, uh, uh, Panzer Chocolade that night, weren't you? Yes, I had my uh, the uh, MIG modeling cocaine. The, I, Anyone I who's say, on Kitmaker will get that. <laughs> I will. I will say in Ezra's defense, I've got a couple of Academy armor kits. Well, only two of them, but there is the Panzer Four H and the M thirty six B one, and those those are very very good kits. I got to say, they were they were nice. I'm kind of on Ezra's yeah, side on a few bits on this one. The um, yeah, I was the 135th scale was, uh, M60. It's better than the Tamiya one. It it has better detail for one. It has the same problems with the uh, the rear where the drive sprocket is. But other than that, I'd rather build the Academy one. I will say uh, this. I will say. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I will say their, um, their 72nd aircraft are also pretty good. I'd, I'd mm-hmm. usually buy them because they're cheap. They're the, like, the cheapest ones, and just for a weekend, they do, you know, they're adequate with their detail and stuff. However, yeah. saying that, I'm also going to be starting their 32nd scale uh, SOP with Camel, and you guys have seen the photos I posted of all those injector pin marks, and I almost cried. Yep. I definitely need a bigger or three D Yeah, that 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 cockpit seat just that gave me nightmares. I don't know how I'm gonna deal with that one. Have fun. My experience with uh yeah, have fun. My experience with Academy is well, pretty good, honestly, I'd say. I built their uh 
like bed frame T thirty four. That was a really good kit. Oh sure. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, well, Dennis was there. He can. I can confirm to this. Well, I, good. like, yeah, confirm that I. Uh, well, I picked up the Academy Panzer Four just because it was cheap, and the result was actually pretty good. It's in great hobbies right now. It on is. Display. We've got on this. Oh, isn't it the? Uh, isn't it the one in Panzer Gray? Yes, yeah, the one in Panzer Gray with all the rust and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Yeah. It well, it was pretty good. It was a little bit finicky to build. Like I had to clamp down a lot of stuff. It was like it's an older kit, and the plastic, uh, the quality is like. I'd say the quality of that kit is worse than Tamiya, but I still got a pretty good result. Oh yeah, for sure. I will say. Okay, I. Sorry. I haven't built the warrior on the very bottom left, but I have two of them in my stash. One has an Edward photo etch set, and I'm gonna build that soon and see how it builds up. It looks beautiful. I will say the only experience I've had with uh, Academy outside their accessories is their uh, 35th scale South Korean K2 Black Panther. Oh, two yeah. things. First of all, the fit and the warpage on that kit, absolutely atrocious. Like, death penalty worthy. The second thing, four piece per link individual link tracks for live tracks, which are covered by oh. uh, side skirts. Sounds I mean, good. I guess you only have to build up half. Yeah. The other thing, the suspension isn't workable, so there's no point in having the workable tracks anyways. So, uh, yeah. That, I'll admit, that is disappointing. That is, the K2 Black Panther is responsible for my long-standing uh, uh, enmity with uh, the South Koreans. Um, absolutely disgusting manufacturer. I do not care about you or your amazing M51 Ezra. So, yeah, here's my uh, Academy M51, which I bet if you built up side-by-side side out of the box, would probably be pretty close uh, to the Tamiya one, but cheaper. That's a plus. There you go. And uh, actually, all of the uh, suspension is from the Tamiya Easy 8 kit. Oh, I was... Yeah, I was wondering where you got that from. Yeah, I just snagged it because it was already built. And I didn't feel like building the Academy one. And then I scratch built the uh, stowage boxes and the telephone on the back out of copper sheeting and some of the Edward photo etch. Yeah, they look good, man. They look real good. That is a really great looking model. I had a fun time beating them up. Yeah. We could all are those just uh, rubber tracks? Yeah, those are just the rubber band tracks. Which I might replace. I'm not sure yet. Well, you are changing it's my opinion. Really nice. Maybe I'll build an academy kit yeah. one day. Do it. I personally would say academy is a lot better than Revo. Oh, for well, sure. The, well, the bar there is a bit low, don't you think? Yeah, that that's a yeah, low yeah, bar. Yeah, I know. I, I know. I know it's a low bar, bar, but it's something. I built a lot of rebel kits, actually. That's fair. Or easy to get. 
you know, the result looks yeah. decent enough. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, shall we move on to the next thing? Well, now it's just uh, work in progress photos. So, uh, this is what I've been working on this past week. I have been working on the Hasegawa 48th scale F2. I 3D printed a 1 to 100 scale Canadian soldier. 3D printed a 35th scale NLAW and uh, ERA bricks. That's the printer there with its ventilation setup. And uh, now I've been working on a uh, Tamiya 35th scale T55A, which I am 3D printing ERA for. Yeah. Very cool. That's looking good. Yeah, it's a fun kit to build. I'm really enjoying it. Ooh, speaking of 3D printing, a FedEx truck just dropped something off. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Part of my FEP screens. I wonder what those could be. But did that 1 to 100 scale guy, did you did you paint that? Yes. Jesus. Whoa. How? Cat that, uh, the little micro brush. Just, you know, basically the end of a nail. But, uh, yeah. Looks very cool. Well, Is he being going a little diorama with a, uh, with like a leopard? A leopard 2A4, when I can get it to print correctly, yep. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. 3D printers are neat. They do smell yeah, though. Very... Ventilate, ventilate, ventilate. Uh, so How is that I like really natural? How's that like yeah. natural resin? Um, I haven't gotten it yet. Um, I, I do plan on oh. it at some point. Right now, I'm just using the low order resin. But I've heard that the sure. based resin is pretty good. Nice. Uh, Valentine, Valentine couldn't be here this week, but uh, yeah, the same thing we're going to do. He's going to do a little work in progress thing uh, later this week. But as you see, over. yeah, he's just uh, working away on his airfix stuff and his figures. He's always look really good. Oh, he's sending me, uh, he's sending me some turpits decals. I got to thank him for that. Oh, that's oh, fun. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Scale modeling community is great. Oh yeah, I know it's. Oh yeah, and then here's mine. It's so I'm taking the old Tamiya uh, T72 M1 and converting it into a T72B, as seen in the bottom picture of one stuck in a ditch waiting for a, a Ukrainian tractor. Oh, so my I'm tractor. I'm stuck. <laughs> <laughs> so I've had to do a few modifications to it. Uh... I replaced the barrel with one from a Meng T90 because it uses the same barrel as a T72B. And I had to modify the stowage boxes on the side a bit. Uh, I had to move the snorkel to the back, so I had to modify the rack. And uh, do some work on the front plate, though that's going to be mostly covered by ERA. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm going to be covering it in uh, the 3D printed ERA bricks that Dennis designed. Heck yeah. But... Yeah. Yeah, I think that's... Oh, and then I have uh, um, resin tracks for it. And, it I'll, and I'll probably print out a cup cage. 
<laughs> nice. Well, yeah. Uh, anybody got any uh, announcements or anything? Well, I didn't add. Uh, I didn't add any work in progress pictures, but I can explain what I'm working on if you want. Yeah. Yeah. So since last time, I kept going more on IM5 because you got to going on your projects, and I got distracted and did some. I guess you could call it pre-shading. I just kind of weathered the uh, primer. <laughs> That's cool. And I gathered a bunch of just random stowage to put on it. I posted a bit on my Instagram. That's hobbyish with a one instead of an I. Uh, yeah, like I've got just like some guns and some shovels or whatever. Some yeah. odd pieces of stuff. And oh, hopefully you'll yeah, get those oh, two uh, those two thirty cows soon. Please. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. Ezra sending me some uh, some goodies to help out with that project. Uh, mainly thirty cows, which will. I don't know if you can hear my dog, but he's barking a lot. Uh, thirty cows, which will really brighten up the model because the thirty cows that they came with are just god awful. They're just they're. Yeah, they're literally like tubes with circles, like kind of pasted on them. Yeah, aren't it's the bad. circles like raised? Yeah, it's all raised. Yeah, they are. Lines. <laughs> yeah, because I've I've got that kit, and yeah, those those thirty cows are not not that good. Um, you're no. better off replacing them. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Ezra. Yep. Shout out to Ezra. Yeah, they were. Uh, were spares for my uh, shot cow. So. Oh, nice. That makes sense. Uh, and then the other big project is the turbots, which I have since spray-painted the hull and the line that goes like at the waterline, the black line there. I don't yeah. know what it's called, so I'll just... I think it's line. called like, boot or bootstripe. I'm not sure. That would make sense. Seems like a navy thing to call it. Uh, and I think I might have decided on a camo, which is just the like early 1942 winter camo before it, like before she makes her way to the fjords and gets that crazy green camo that would be so difficult to paint. <laughs> oh, the uh, yeah. like splinter. Uh, after er, that green camo is before the splinter, that is also difficult to paint. But if I get bored of the camo that I'm doing now, which is essentially just two gray boxes, then I'll end up doing a splinter over top of it. Yeah, and uh, I can send some pictures to the Discord, but last night oh. I... Oh, go on. I'll tell you what I'll do. Send me the pictures on Instagram, and I'll make them into a post that I'll post next to the uh, actual uh, podcast post on the Insta. Oh, perfect. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. I loot on the uh, Ulsa deck that I made, 
and I have filled in the edges with polyfill, and it's looking pretty sweet. Nice. Yeah, I just gotta, you know, scribe the uh, planks back in, and then it'll be good to go. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Callum, what about you? What are you working on? I haven't even touched anything for the last two weeks, at least, since I finished the Defiant. Just had you know, every single weekend so far since I finished it, it's just been fully booked out. It's, yeah, I haven't touched anything, and I'm getting really annoyed by it, but I just haven't had the haven't had a schedule yet where I can actually sit down and start, because like, I want to start on the, the camel, but that's got to be filmed. That one's going to be filmed, so there's prep work for that and set up and which I've started, you know, I've started doing that. It's just, I just haven't had the time to do anything, eh? and it's just getting annoying. Yeah, that's fair. You're too busy flaying engineers. Oh, I wish. Jesus. The important uh, things in life. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's the little things, you know, shoving an yeah. engineering student into a locker, stealing their lunch <laughs> money. Yeah. Uh, it's, the, it's the joys of owning a house. You have to do, like, house problems, like renovate stuff. Oh, yeah. So, really, I've just been doing, like, one-to-one dioramas, really, lately. With the weathering, don't forget. One-to-one dioramas. Yeah, you got the weathering. The weathering's going to turn up soon, don't worry about that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm redoing the bathroom. Weathering's going to happen. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Nice. Wow. We did another thing. Yes. Another oh, thing us. that we'll be punished for. Oh, yeah. Oh, I have one small commercial. If you were playing War Thunder, you oh. might have the small chance of being killed by a podcast. Small chance? Dude, I've been stacking kills. I've been, like, number one in the uh, this the team for, like, five in a row. Come on, man. I mean, yeah, not small chance. We're, we're coming for you. Oh, yeah. Stay away yeah. from the Swedes because I am grinding. We will yeah, I just take the M5 and kill tigers with it. Yeah. <laughs> Skill matters. Yeah. Skill matters, exactly. Attack it's like point. really satisfying. Attack the D point. I, I had a really good rage moment at War Thunder the other night when I was playing because I've just been doing a bit of German tanks and. You know, still low-level stuff. And uh, it was a really tough battle we had. And somehow we won, and I managed with about seven kills. And just when it was loading to come to the main screen and do all that, whole thing crashed. Game crashed. Oh, nice. Oh. Yeah. At that point, I just sat my laptop down. I was like, I'm just going to walk away from this one. <laughs> do you guys ever do, like, Air RB or Air Arcade? No. That's the that's I what do I sometimes started because... War Thunder on. <laughs> oh, really? I've been playing War Thunder since before tanks even turned up. I, well, I played uh, Wings of Prey, which was the predecessor to War Thunder, so... Yeah. Gaijin's been around for a while. They have. I've been playing since 2017, 2018-ish. Yeah. Probably played War Thunder since like 
2018, but played World of Tanks Blitz and World of Tanks for at least four or five years off and on. Whoa. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I've been My, playing uh, World of Tanks for since about 2012, 2013. And I've only been, and I've just been focusing on the British line, you know, British heavies and all that because I'm a masochist, yeah. apparently. I love so well, I've just gotten the Black Prince. Solid shot. I love the British tank Solid shot is amazing. I love shooting a tank 22 times. Mm. And getting right. tracked 22 times as well. Yes. Yeah. Well. My uh, German... And... Oh, okay. No, We're no, 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 no. No, I'm not going to pull the plug <laughs> on you. The rest of you can get okay. out. Go. Leave. <laughs> Leave. We're talking about my War Thunder German lineup. Yeah, it uh, consists of uh, a Puma, two planes, and a Tiger. That's it. And Beautiful. I come... Decent. Second round. Uh, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, well, yeah, at least you're consistent. Yeah, at least one. At least thing, I'm consistent. The uh, Swedish line gets AP FSDS at uh, reserve, so there is that. That's awful. Yeah, suffer. Hmm. I love driving around in the British Mark VI uh, AA, just pumping like 700 rounds into someone and then not dying. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically for Matilda once you got there. Yeah. Well, except we don't have any armor. That is true. Mm. It's a Matilda one, but actually mobile. Yes. Well, that was well. well. Uh, why thanks. British tanks eat their crews and boil them alive? They turn them into soup. Right. Self harm yeah, founded the... by the British government. Funded. Exactly. The British Ministry of Defense is out here uh, listening to emo rock. Yeah. I will say I'm sorry. I've been really. Uh, I have really bad allergies right now. So if I sound a little oh, okay. off, that's why. You sound as equally as depressed as the driver of the Valiant. Yes, except I still both uh, both wrists in working order. Oh, there you go. Makes you mm. more yeah, that's good. A million. Yeah, don't <laughs> worry. Just, I'll, I'll, just wait till you get your uh, new microphone, and I'll make you sound exactly like you sound now. Yeah, please no. I, <laughs> I, I, I want one episode of clear audio. That's it. <laughs> I'll give you that? one. No way. I'll give you one. When's your birthday? Probably <laughs> <laughs> in September. Damn it. Does this podcast have a budget yet? Give us model kits. Yeah, zero dollars. FC model kits. Uh, actually, actually, no. With we we're are running on um, money right. We're on negative a hundred dollars right now. Well, I am. Is that what? It, that's what it costs to get the podcast onto Spotify. Ooh. Yeah. Wait, really? Basically, yeah, because really? it's got to go through RSS podcast hosts and then onto Spotify. But RSS and all those need a subscription for them. It's not. It's honestly not oh. much. Hmm. Okay, so here's oh, the... it's 
One of our listeners. One last commercial. Yeah. Uh, DM our Instagram page, and we will give you access to our Discord, which has a bunch of oh. SDL files up, and it's pretty good. Don't announce that. We we don't pirate anything. We don't have any STL files on our Google Drive. Do not. No, we don't. We don't. The only STLs we have are the ones we made. They're not pirated. We're just shoveling our grave here. Okay. Discord link will also be up on uh, YouTube uh, in the description of this video. So if you want to join, you can join from there as well. Uh, Yeah. Um, please. As well as everyone's Instagrams, YouTubes, yep. everything. Right. It makes your uh, links. Yes. One other thing. Uh, one of our listeners, please send us, uh, send Callum a hundred dollars and uh, send yes. me that FC model trend uh, Matilda one. And uh, yeah. <laughs> this has certainly been our best episode, I think. Some nice. Oh yeah, we posters. are getting better every time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Less, less to edit. Yeah. Although I've still got it's some sound effects, and we're still got to, we're still got to figure out like an intro, outro music. Oh yeah, do they? They don't even really know our names yet. Yeah, no. we got, we got. You know what? We've got to do like each of us has to make a video, of just like you know thirty seconds. This is who we are. This is what we make. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've actually got Scott Gentry from Plastic Posse. He follows me on Instagram. Damn. Oh. Maybe you should flick him a message. Just be like, hey, give us a shout out. <laughs> Shameless plug. Please, we need a shout out. Please. So please shout us, shout out our podcast and watch your reputation go down. <laughs> I love how we said, we said we were going to do intros yeah. and then just totally glossed over it. 10 minute cold opening. Yeah. You don't, know, yeah. you don't need to know who we are. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah, we will remain not. We'll, we will get it together one day. Yes. Maybe. If, we you might find, it out. if you find out who we are, we will track you down, put you into a valiant, and break your wrists. Don't say that. <laughs> the podcast <laughs> that threatens you back. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we're only allowed to kill our listeners. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, then. Yeah, that was a good fifteen-minute uh, closing. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. Goodbye, Internet World. All right. We'll see you okay, next time. Bye. See you on the next episode. Yeah, see you next week.